0: and welcome to the one church podcast this message was recorded live at one of our services if you'd like to know more about life at one church visit us online at weareone.church one.church or check us out on social media thank you good morning Brilliant to be back after a wonderful summer. Um, fantastic. I've got some photos of my holiday. Would you like to see a couple of photos just to make you jealous and see if you can spot the theme in these photos? We're going to show you. Here's number one. So that's my two nieces. This is Ella and this is Evie and they're doing some some rock jumping there into the, into the sea. Um, and uh, there's Jackson, my son Jackson. He is trying to catch fish. So Uh, In that particular spot there, the fish are all around your feet, and he's trying to scoop them up with his little net there, so lovely, lovely moment there. Uh, This is, uh, so this is me, the back of me, and Ella, and we're about to jump off of that into the sea just there, Uh, have you seen the theme? Um, So we're about to to get into the water, there's Jackson and Evie also, look at that, isn't that picturesque, isn't that beautiful? It was lovely. Um, The jump was wonderful actually, yeah, I as long as you keep your feet together. If you just go like that, it's quite sore. So that was fun. Um, It it did hurt. (laughs) I was swimming back to the rock and I was like, oh! (laughs) Just a little bit of pain, but um, but wonderful. That's me getting out of the pool. Um, Just thought I'd throw that one in there as well. That's me getting out of the swimming pool. So there's the theme of our holiday. It was (laughs) a beautiful holiday in Greece. Um, the theme, the theme, Walter. The theme is Walter. And uh, I, I want to talk about baptism today. And the reason I'm speaking about baptism today and Walter uh, is because uh, in October, beginning of October, first week of October, we're going to have an op- uh, a baptism service. And so we're kind of preparing the way for that, really. And there may be one or two people in the room this morning are thinking, oh, I'm, I'm kind of ready to be baptized, or want to be baptized, or this would be really good for you, but if you've already been baptized, you've been part of the church for a long time, hopefully as well, this will be um, really helpful and interesting to you this morning. Uh, now, there, just like water was a theme there in those photos, there are numerous themes in the Bible, and uh, you might call them, in academic language, motifs. A motif is like something that It doesn't just occur once in the Bible, but it occurs several times. It's like a a recurring event or recurring theme or recurring idea. You would call that a motif that runs through through the narrative or through the, the, the Bible. And in the Old Testament in particular, there are several, lots and lots of these motifs. They are recurring themes that come up again and again and again, but all kind of point in a certain direction. Okay, you with me? And baptism is one of those, but I'll I'll talk about a few others just to give you this idea. And we're actually going to use some string to help us with this. So um, you may be able to think of one or two. I'll give you one to get us going. Um, The theme or the motif of the promise or the covenant is one of those. So if you read the Old Testament, you'll find that a recurring idea or theme throughout the Old Testament is God's promise to restore things that have been broken by our sin. God covenants with people. He he makes agreements with people. He, he makes a promise to Abraham. And so if for now we pretend that Barbara is Abraham, okay, you take that. And uh, that's where the theme or the, the, the idea of promise really kicks off in the Old Testament, yeah? And you get this big promise that God brings to Abraham. Now, Abraham doesn't know where the, that's going. He doesn't know the full trajectory of that idea, but it shows up again and again and again through the Old Testament. Oh, my string, it ran out. Let's try that again. <laughs> Take that bit. There we go. Okay. It, it, goes, it comes again and again and again. All through the Old Testament, you get this idea of a, or a motif of the promise or the covenant, and it all finds its way to one particular point. And we'll come back to that again in a minute. So there's one of these these themes or motifs. You're just going to have to deal with it soon. Okay. (laughs) Let's think of another one. Another motif or theme in the Old Testament is the theme of God's justice. Okay. So God is just. And occasionally what you'll see through the Old Testament, sometimes in quite graphic ways actually, is God delivering his justice to people that deserve to be punished, okay? And so sometimes you'll read in the Old Testament, God's justice looks quite harsh at times. It looks quite difficult at times. It's quite awkward to read, but God is just. And you see that happen again and again through the Old Testament. But it's all pointing to a particular uh, point here, okay? Uh, Another theme that runs throughout the Old Testament is what we might call the theme of God's mercy. Now, that's kind of like the opposite to justice, isn't it? Mercy. This is when God should judge, but doesn't. Can you just take that one there? And what you find throughout the Old Testament, are lots of stories where instead of giving people what they deserve, God acts mercifully and kindly, and he actually brings people to his grace and to his mercy and so this happens just put it go around nicola's neck if you can a couple of times no i'm joking (laughs) and uh so what happens is what happens is okay so over there we had what do we have over there justice over here we've got mercy and again it kind of all meets at this kind of this this point here so we've got promise covenant we've got justice we've got mercy what other things have we got can anybody think of another one Can anybody think of another theme or a motif that runs through the Old Testament? Anybody? No? Anybody? Okay, the priesthood. Let's talk about the priesthood for a moment. I'll come back to you. The priesthood. There's an idea that there's a priest or a person that has the ministry of being a mediator between God and man. The priest would be the person that would deal with people's sins, and he would pray, and he would bring a sacrifice on behalf of people, and they... Their sins would be forgiven in that by that priest, and the priest would bring people back to God. Again, it was a theme. The priest didn't know where this was heading. The priest didn't know the trajectory of this motif, and yet it all pointed to one place. Here, Ed, light is a huge theme. What's the first thing God creates? It creates light. <laughs> light is a motif through the Old Testament. In fact, in the temple, which is where people would worship God, there was a command that the lamps should never go out. They were always to be lit throughout all day, all night. Light was a really big ish thing in the temple. It was communicating. something. They didn't know what it was communicating, but it was all pointing to something. The same thing that the justice was pointing to. The same thing that the, uh, the mercy was pointing to. The same thing that the covenant was pointing to. The same, it's all pointing at the same, the same thing. And then you've got baptism. Your baptism didn't begin in the New Testament. Baptism is actually a motif or a theme that began a long, long time before we find it in the Gospels. For example, Noah and the ark and the flood is called a baptism in the New Testament. The first example of baptism. Hold that, Margaret. And then, for example, you get to uh, Moses. And he leads the people across the Red Sea. And God saves people through the waters. And this idea of God saving people through the waters comes up again with Joshua. And Joshua leads the people through the River Jordan. And you keep getting these stories, recurring themes, where God saves people through the waters. And it's all pointing towards the same place that all those other motifs were pointing to. Has anybody guessed what this place is? It's Jesus. What's really interesting is that God's justice and God's mercy meet at the cross. It's at the cross where God is just in punishing Jesus on our behalf. But he's also merciful in that letting that punishment set us free from our sins. It's, it's at the cross where God makes a new covenant, a new promise. It's at the cross where Jesus goes down into the grave and then rises again. There's there's all of these motifs, all of these themes are all pointing, the priesthood. Do you remember the priesthood? That was one, wasn't it? Jesus is the ultimate priest who mediates between God and man and brings us to God and deals with our sins and removes them so that we can have a relationship with God. Jesus is the ultimate priest it's all pointing all these motifs are pointing towards one man Jesus Christ and the work that he does on our behalf so when you're reading your old testament you want to spot these themes these recurring themes these recurring ideas because they're not just there they they're, they're not just there kind of haphazardly there's something that god is trying to communicate through the entire narrative of the old testament he's trying to use all of these motifs and themes to say Jesus is coming, and Jesus is the completion of all these motifs. Jesus is the best example. He's the fulfillment of all of these ideas. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the one who stands before God day and night, praying on our behalf, the, the, the lamp that never goes out. Jesus is the one who fulfills all of these motifs. It's quite incredible, isn't it? You're just going to have to sit with that string for the rest of my preach. I'm sorry. So, so let's just talk about baptism then for a moment, because uh, actually baptism is a really important theme or motif in the Bible. As I've said, it didn't just begin in the New Testament. Baptism was already happening before Jesus came. We know that, don't we, because John the Baptist was baptizing people. So what was John the Baptist doing? Well, I've already mentioned that there are a few occasions in the Old Testament where God saves people through the waters. We talked about how God saved Noah and his family through the waters. We talked about how God parted the Red Sea and Moses led the people through the water to the promised land and God saved people through the waters. And I also mentioned about the parting of the Jordan River in Joshua chapter 3 and 4. In that story... Um, the 40 years where the Israelites are wandering around in the, in the wilderness is over, and they've come to a point where they're now ready to enter Canaan. They're ready to enter the promised land, the promised land that God had promised to, the, to Moses, and uh, that, that they, they escaped from Egypt, and they've been wandering around, and now they're ready now. 40 years have gone by, and they're ready to enter into the, the promised land called Canaan. Uh, but there's an obstacle in the way of that journey, before they can enter into the promised land, there's another river in the way. Who put that there? Another river. It's like the rivers are just there all the time. But there's this river, and it's called the River Jordan, okay? And the River Jordan is what separates them from entering into the Canaan, into the promised land. And and so they've got to pass through the waters. And so what God says to Joshua is, he says, God, I want you to send the, the priests And they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and I want them to step into the water. And when they step into water, you're going to see me provide a way. And so what happens is is that the priests step into the water with the Ark of the Covenant, and sure enough, just like at the Red Sea, but not quite as famous, the waters begin to part. And the Bible says that the water stands up like a wall there, and it stands up like a wall there, and it creates dry land through the river, and the people again pass through the waters." Only this time, it's slightly different to the other story in the Red Sea. Because this time, God says, what I want you to do is all the people pass, but I want the priests to stop in the middle. And I want the priests to do two things. I want them to pick up some stones, 12 stones representing each of the 12 tribes. I want them to pick up a stone representing each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And I want them to carry it and build a monument to me on the other side of the River Jordan before they enter into the Promised Land. I want them to dedicate themselves to me as the first thing they do as they come up out of the water. Okay? So that's what happens. The priests, they pick up the the, the stones and uh, they go to the uh, other side of the Jordan and they build an altar there. And the people of God, the Israelites, dedicate themselves to the Lord on the other side of the River Jordan. And that's the story. And then off they go into conquest and they, they take the promised land. So fast forward now to to Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 11, and we're going to read this particular passage of of Scripture, and we'll find out what happens. So this is in the book of Mark now. Now, the beginning of the good news about Jesus Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. Remember where he is? He's in the wilderness on the other side of the Jordan River. Where were they? In the wilderness on the other side of the Jordan River. Don't, don't miss that. That's, that's deliberate. There's a, a theme there. There's something that the writer's trying to tell us there about where John the Baptist is. It's really significant. He's saying, look where he is. He's in the wilderness, the other side of the Jordan River. That's important. If you're a Jew and if you know your history, you know that's a significant place for the people of Israel because hundreds of years ago, that was the place where they crossed the Jordan River and they dedicated themselves to God. You knew that that was an important location historically for your people. It would have been something they were taught in school. They would have grown up knowing this story about Joshua and crossing the river and making an, an altar and committing themselves to the Lord, and they would have known this story. And so as soon as the writer writes... He was in the wilderness on the side of Jordan. That's what's going on in their minds. That's not what's going on in your mind because you're English, right? You don't know that history. You haven't got that in your cultural history. You haven't been taught that in your education. You don't understand that. That's why this is significant. But if you're a Jew and you're reading this, you'll go. You, 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 you can see the thread. You can see the line. You can. You understand. There's something about that that's really important. I need to. To know this, yeah? So, let's carry on. So, preaching the baptism, uh, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. That's a lot of people. Now, why would all of the people of Jerusalem go out to see him? Because they know the thread. They're good Jews. They know the story. There's something significant about that place and that time and that location, and God is doing something in the hearts of the people. He's stirring them to repent and to turn back to him. He's creating an opportunity for people to dedicate themselves to the Lord once more, and so that's what's happening. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River, so what's happening here is that John the Baptist is recreating the scene from Joshua chapter 3 and 4. That's what he's doing, He's deliberately chosen the Jordan River and the wilderness. And he's saying, come out of Jerusalem, come out of Judea, come out of the, the, the towns, Come back to the place where historically we dedicated ourselves to the Lord who saved us through the waters. And let's go back into the river again. Let's go back into the water again. And let's come out of the water again and rededicate ourselves to God like our people did all those years ago. And that's what John the Baptist is doing. But you'd only know that if you were a Jew. (laughs) You'd only know that if you had that history. But that's what's happening. There's a rededication that's happening. It's a significant place for the Jews, a significant time. It's not an accident that John happened to choose that particular place and that river. There's something strategic going on here. John, the prophet, is interested in reviving his nation, in calling his nation back to God, in calling them back to a place of dedication to God and obedience to God. And so he goes to that place because he knows that's a significant place in history, I'm, I'm emphasizing this because it's important to know it was an important place for them. And there, in the river, in the water, people are rededicating themselves to God. There's a, a covenant thing happening again. There's a promise thing happening again. There's an altar thing happening again. a theme that runs all the way through the Old Testament. They're covenanting with God. You're my God. No other God but you. And I am living my life for you now. And they're being forgiven of their sins. And, they're, and that's what's happening. Okay. Is this helping? John wore clothing made of camel's hair. With a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me. After me. Further down the string. I realize I'm not the completion. I'm part of the story. After me, I'm on part of this trajectory. This is all pointing towards something and towards somebody. After me uh, comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, at that time, well, all of that is happening that I've just spoken to you about. Who turns up but Jesus? Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. And he was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, just pause on that for a moment. If you know the story of what happened originally in the Jordan, a place of covenant and a place of dedication. Now, Jesus is stood in the middle of the Jordan. Jesus is stood there. And what happens as Jesus is baptized? Let's see what it says. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. In this moment, God audibly and very obviously tells the world that is watching, he is the one I promised. He is my new covenant with you. He is what all of this has been pointing to. He is what baptism is all about. He is the one whom I am pleased with, I, who I have accepted, and who will mediate between man and God. Everybody knows that God would only do that for his Messiah. Does that make sense? Like God's not doing that for, for you know, John Smith. He's not doing that for the lad that just came. He's, he, everybody, loads of people are getting baptized, but over one person, God opens the heavens for and says it's him. He's the one. Follow him. He's what all of this has been pointing towards. In the Jordan River in the place of covenant, in the place where people dedicate their lives to God. That's really important, isn't it? It's it's a really significant thing that's happening here in Jesus' baptism. Jesus did not need to be baptized for the forgiveness of his sins. Jesus was baptized to show people who he was, who his identity was. Does that make sense? So it's really important, this kind of idea, and uh, and what god is saying there is that he is the new covenant now replacing the old covenant he's the the focus now he's the the one he's been revealed it's no longer a bit of string now it's obvious it's no longer a trajectory now it's here it's no longer something you have to look forward to in the future now i'm telling you this is the one it's no longer just a, a recurring motif it's the completion All of these strings, all of these ideas, and if you're a good Jew, you know about all of these strings. All of these strings are coming together in the life of this one man, Jesus Christ. Follow him. From that point on, baptism changed. From that point on, baptism was listen. It wasn't that it wasn't important before. It was just here on the on on the trajectory. It wasn't. It wasn't important. It just wasn't complete. Does that make sense? From this point onwards, baptism now knows what baptism is really about. Baptism now knows that this is actually about Jesus. I'm following him through the waters, and through him I'm finding forgiveness of sins, and through him I am now coming out the other side dedicated to a whole new way of life, living for for God. Does that make sense? Jesus becomes the focus of baptism now. We now baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When a person now gets baptized in a tank under here, okay, and they go into the water, we are, they are following Jesus through the waters into a place of dedication of their lives to God. It's a really important part of our following Jesus Christ. Now, from that moment... From that day onwards, with Jesus now the focus of baptism, where we realize that he saves us, where we realize that we are dedicating our lives to him, the Bible says in Matthew 28, verse 19, it tells us as Christians, it tells us this, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, what do we have to do? Baptize them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's pause on that text just for a couple of moments before I bring this to a lack to land. We're We're to baptize people. We're to recreate the scene. 2,023 years later, we're to create the scene where a person can choose in their hearts to go into the waters, even though they're not a Jew, and today dedicate their lives to God. And say, oh, I need to go into the waters and recognize I need Jesus. And I need him to save me through the waters. Does that make sense? We're, we're to do that now. We're, we're to carry on what John the Baptist was doing. We're to carry on what Jesus was doing. In fact, we're to carry on doing what all the disciples did. Because if you look at the next passage, this is in the book of Acts and chapter 2. It says this. <coughs> no, next one. Thank you very much. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were, say it, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So now you need a team. (laughs) Hundreds of disciples are now going into the river with thousands of people saying I need to rededicate my life to God and I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ and they need to go through the waters too and so they're like right let's all go down and so you can imagine it three thousand people all go in one at a time into the water and, and and all the disciples are there just baptizing them in the water and giving them that space and that moment and that opportunity to personally dedicate themselves to God again through faith in Jesus Christ in that moment they're being saved. In that moment, something's transformed in their hearts. In that moment, they, they come out of the water different. They come out of the water with a whole new life focus, with a whole new world of values. They, they come out of that now and Jesus is king now. Jesus is Lord now. They've recognized that, that everything points to him and now their lives do as well. It's really important. It's 3,000 people in one day. That's, that was a pretty good baptism service. Yeah. yeah? We haven't had that quite that big before. Um, but it matters even if it's just one person. It doesn't matter how many. As long as we do what the Bible tells us to do, which is to continue this theme, because this theme tells us something about God. It tells us that God saves us. And it tells us that we can covenant and promise and create this, this agreement with God. And it tells us that Jesus Christ Saves us of our sins. And so every time we do a baptism service in Bristol, we're super excited about that. Because we know what's going on. We understand the backstory. We understand what God is doing in that person's life and in their their heart at that moment. We understand that in that moment, so much supernatural is taking place. We understand that as they go into the water and as they come out again, so much changed. Spiritually, so much actually changed in their lives just as it did all those years ago. And now we know why. Because we know Jesus. We know the fulfillment. We know the one it was all pointed at in the first place. So, it may be that you haven't been baptized. And you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready. I want to tell you this firstly. Those people, those 3,000 people, just did it straight away. You don't have to be ready. <laughs> you, don't to, uh, you don't have to be a Christian for years before you do this. You can do it on day one if you want. But I want to say it's just a moment between you and God. We'll all be there cheering you on and we'll be there, you know, supporting you as a family and 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 we think it'll be a real special moment. But for you personally, this is about you and God and about you going into the water and coming out again in dedicating your life to God. And we want to create that space and that opportunity for you to do that. So if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to be baptized, our next service is coming up in October. Please talk to Kai after the service, and he'll take your name, and he'll give you a couple of details about what to expect. But it's very simple. It's, ve- and it's always a party service, isn't it? Those of you that have been to him, it's a party service. It's such a lot of fun. Um, and there's this just great moment in the middle of this party that we have together as a church where you get to do that with God. It's a real special moment, real special moment so we're going to create that opportunity for you soon maybe you're listening to the service today and listen to this message today and you're going do you know what i probably i've been baptized i've been around the block a little bit as a christian but i just need to dedicate to god again just need to say, god i'm yours i'm i'm dedicating my my day my week my year This next season, I'm dedicating my heart to you again. Should we take a moment to do that before we worship? Come on.